If you uh, have your Bibles, please turn to the book of Philippians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, uh, chapter 3. And I'm going to be reading verse 12 and on. So, Philippians 3, starting in verse 12. This is what it says. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. So we've been on this series now for a number of weeks called The Mind of Christ. Um, This series was kicked off um, by um, Pastor Don Boyd from Wilmot Center. If you remember uh, Don came and he preached a very powerful message um, talking about strongholds and and this sort of thing in our lives. And um, I wish I could get the notes. I saw him when I was in Steinbach, Manitoba just last week, and I told him about that sermon. I asked him for his notes. Uh, He didn't really say anything, so I'll ask him again. I don't know if he wants, if it's a secret or something, I don't know. Anyways, um, but that was just a very powerful sermon. Uh, We also heard some testimonies. Uh, from Nicole, we also heard from uh, the Crestmans, um, and then and a couple weeks ago we we talked about um, the performance-driven mind and how that can keep us in this hamster wheel kind of a mentality, and, and to break out of that um, because we are already accepted in Christ Jesus and that our identity is in Him, and so we don't strive for that identity; it's been given to us, and so we talked about that. And uh, last, sorry, two weeks ago, we talked about um, uh, setting our minds on things above, not on things below. And today's sermon is just an extension of that um, called Thinking with uh, Eternity in Sight. Okay? Thinking with Eternity in Sight. Are there any golfers here? Anyone play golf? Oh, okay. There's some people who play golf. Mini golf, well, yeah, mini golfers, okay, okay, anyone play mini golf, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I used to play golf. Uh, my father, when I was in high school, he, he made me take golf lessons, because he, 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 he said that a lot of business is done on the golf course, right, and so he said, you know, James... He needs to learn how to play golf just in case he bumps into, you know, Bill Gates or the, the Prince of England on the golf course or something. I don't know. So I, had to, I took golf lessons. Um, it was so different for me because I'm used to playing baseball. And so I tried hitting the, the golf ball like a baseball and it, it didn't really work well, right? So, uh, you know, he got a tutor, golf tutor, golf teacher. Whatever. And uh, he would come. We'd go to this driving range in Mississauga. And uh, I'd spend about an hour with uh, this teacher. And he'd show me how to swing and all that. And 
Uh, I remember in my, when, you know, when I first started, you know, swinging the golf club, I would, I would just aim at hitting that thing as hard as I could, right? And I would just, boom, and I would hit it. And man, the ball would just curve, like go this way. I'm like, what? What? This is so hard. It's such a difficult thing to do. Um, but the, the golf teacher, the, the trainer, he, he corrected my swing after a number of uh, sessions, and I was able to finally, you know, be able to hit that thing straight. And so I got a little bit better, you know. And so my dad and I, we'd go to the golf, the driving range often to hit a, hit a bucket of balls, and it was kind of our way to connect as well. And so that was, that was really nice. Well, one day he transitioned me, okay? I went from the driving range to the golf course. Let me tell you, that is just, it's totally different. Completely different mentality, right? So I would go there and I, I'd just tense up and just, okay, I got to hit this thing and just hit the ball as hard as I can and it would do this and do that. Oh man, and I just couldn't get it, you know, i I wasn't able to play golf well. Golf and I did not get along very well, you know. But my father, he was very good. Uh, he was a very good golfer. He still plays today. Uh, very good golf uh, golfer. Uh, because, you know, he's able to calculate well, right? It's not just about hitting the ball. It's about calculating. Because he's got the green in his sight. He knows exactly, you know, how far it is, what club it takes to get there. His mind's just going in that direction. He knows because he has the end in sight. In golf, you need to have the end in sight. You need to know where that green is. Every shot you take, every, the next step is with the green in mind. The end is always in sight. If you don't think about the end, If you don't, in fact, if you're playing golf and you have no idea there is a green, you're just going to hit that ball and you're not going to be playing golf. It's just hit the ball game, right? Now, I'm sure many avid golfers would tell you that there are a lot of life lessons on the golf course, right? My dad used to tell me that, James, you know, you're so quick to just hit the thing. You need to learn patience. Patience is a good thing. Okay, dad. You know, and so there's a lot of good life lessons to be learned on the golf course. Well, here's one. In life, there are driving range people and there are golf course people. Driving range people, they live life aiming at the here and now. They don't think about the end. In fact, to many, there is no end. It's just about the here and now. And just hit that ball as hard as you can and that's it. Just do the best you can. Driving range people. Golf course people are different. They have the end in mind. Everything they do has that perspective in mind. They think about where they're going. Life is more than just the blink of this 80 to 100 years that we're here. There's more to life than that. There is an end, and the end is glorious. Christians are golf course people because we have the end in sight. We know that eternity awaits us after this life, and we will be with Christ forever and ever and ever. 
This is the mindset that Paul is talking about in Philippians chapter 3. This is what he's saying when he's saying, I press on toward the goal. I press on toward the goal. You know, he's got the end in sight. Forgetting what lies behind, looking forward, straining forward to what lies ahead. Paul is talking about having an eternal perspective. And he's saying that mature people ought to think likewise. Now, I was watching a a clip, a, a sermon by Francis Chan. Anyone, everyone heard of Francis Chan? He's a great preacher, you know. And, uh... I mean, I guess we kind of look alike, you know. Well, not really. <laughs> We're just both Asian preachers. But anyway, uh, Francis Chan had this great visual analogy of having an eternal perspective. Okay, and he used this rope. Okay, so just picture the rope. It just goes on forever. Okay, it just goes on and on and on forever, out the door, out, okay? It's just, just pretend the, the, the rope goes on and on forever, okay? This red part of the rope is our life here on earth. That, that's, that represents our life on earth, okay? It's so short compared to eternity, which is forever and ever and ever, Job chapter 8 verse 9 says, For we were born but yesterday and know nothing. Our days on earth are as fleeting as a shadow. Our days on earth are as fleeting as a shadow. It's so short. Many people live with just this part in mind. Many people live for the taped section. In fact, there are many people who live two-thirds of this taped section for this last one-third. And that's it. That's their perspective. This last one-third compared to this. How ridiculous does that sound, especially when we look at it this way? Having an eternal perspective. You see, Paul had an eternal perspective. He wasn't like those who just live for the taped section. He wasn't like that. He had an eternal perspective. He... He didn't get distracted by earthly things. He didn't get distracted by the things of this world. He said things like, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain, is what Paul says. That he considers everything loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ, Jesus, my Lord. Paul lived with this in mind. This section, with this in mind, he had an eternal perspective. He had tunnel vision towards eternity. And then it goes on in Philippians chapter 3, in verse 17. This is what he says. Brothers, join in me. Join in imitating me. 
And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and their glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to become like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Paul says to imitate him. Imitate me. Imitate him how? To walk with the end in sight. To have an eternal perspective. Because he says that there are those who, they don't live that way. In fact, the way he describes it, he says, there are those who walk as enemies of the cross. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. Man, what does that mean? Their God is their belly? Does that mean it's food? They live for food? You know, it it means far more than that. What Paul is saying is they have an appetite for earthly things that do not last That's what they hunger and thirst after. Things that do not last. After earthly things. So that's what he's saying. It means having minds set on earthly things. You see, every person has some form of vision for their life. Everyone does. They have some form of a vision for their lives. Many have short-sighted goals and visions for their life. They have a short vision. They're nearsighted. No. Farsighted? If you're farsighted, do you see things near? Anyway, that doesn't make sense. Sorry. They're, they're short-sighted. <laughs> okay. They think... Short sight. Okay. Their goals are for immediate comforts. And that can range, that can range from the immediacy of my next meal, my next purchase, next vacation, retirement, to look young, to acquire things, whatever it might be, whatever it is, that's having short-sightedness. Now, those things aren't necessarily terrible, but when they become the end goal of our life's pursuit, when those things become the destination we strive after in life, that's a problem. Paul's saying, don't do that. Now, when Paul is talking about this, saying, you know, there's, there's people who walk as enemies of the cross. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. You would think, you know, the first thought that comes to my mind is he's talking about non-believers. He's actually talking to believers. He's talking to the the church. There are believers. And and you know what really shocks me is that he says that their end is destruction. Now, that's so harsh, you know, and I'm like, oh, really? But it's in the Word of God, so we need to pay attention. What is he saying? You see, Jesus said stuff like this too. 
Here's another verse that we're so tempted to just kind of sweep under the rug. Ah, it's one of those things, Jesus is so uncomfortable, but man, Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I look at that, I'm like, oh, that's so hard to read. Jesus said that. And we could be tempted to just put that aside, but man, what, what is Jesus saying? Depart from me, I never knew you. See, Jesus was talking to believers Followers, people who professed to be followers. These people, they called him Lord. Lord. They prophesied in Jesus' name. They did works in Jesus' name. And he says, I never knew you. Now, depending on your theology, you can go in different ways with this one. Some will say, well, they were never really believers. They weren't really followers. Maybe they prayed a prayer one day. They prayed a prayer one day and, and you know, they professed to be believers, but they weren't really believers. Or, or maybe they, they, you know, they saw their friends and their family following Jesus and so, okay, I'll, I'm in, I guess. But they weren't really believers. Others who look at it in a different perspective, they might say, well, they used to be true Christians, but they lost it. They, they fell away. And they became workers of lawlessness. And so that's why Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. Because they chose to walk away. Now, I'm not here to debate either side. Which theological stance is correct or not. The point I want to drive home is this. There are Christians who live it right. And there are Christians who don't live it right. Going back to Philippians 3, Paul says... I've got it right. Okay? I've got it right. Imitate me. Look at me. Imitate me. I've got it right. What does he have right? He lives life with an eternal perspective. That's how we live it right. Jonathan Edwards, theologian, probably one of the most influential preachers ever. Okay? He was a part of the influential. He was probably the one that started the first great awakening in the 1700s. His preaching is still just influencing preachers all across this world today. Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards said this, Lord, stamp eternity on my eyeballs. He knew that he needed to have an eternal perspective in life. The great Jonathan Edwards Ask God, please stamp eternity on my eyeballs. I want to look with an eternal perspective in this life. And so you might ask, okay, James, that's that's good. How do I do that? Let's let's hear some practical things. How do we have an eternal perspective? How do I live my life with an eternal perspective? I'm so glad you asked. Okay. So there's three things I want to share this morning. Number one is this. Keep it in your mind 
that this life is temporary and that there's something greater ahead. That's the key. Live life knowing this is temporary. We're just passing through. You know, if I could do it, if I could show this in a different way, I'd maybe put the tape here, right? In the middle. And that's our life on earth. Eternity before us, eternity after. We're just passing through, folks. It's such a short time. Live knowing that there's something better in front of us. You see, many folks fear dying. They fear it. But Christians are people who should not have any fears of dying. To live is Christ and to die, gain. It's gain. We have something tremendous to look forward to. Rick Warren writes this in his book, The Purpose Driven Life. Earth is not our final home. We were created for something much better. Whatever pleasures we can have in this life, eternity trumps them all. Eternity trumps them all. So don't settle for anything less here. Now, that doesn't mean we can't enjoy life. We can enjoy life. God says in his word in Psalm 103.5 that he satisfies us with good so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. God wants us to enjoy the things of this world. But he wants us to do that knowing that he is the source. That it comes from him. The end of our enjoyment is him. It's God. God is the source of our enjoyment in this life. That is living with an eternal perspective. Number two, invest in relationships. The only thing that you're going to see on the other side, from this side, are other people. Maybe my dog. I don't know. I, w- I hope. <laughs> that. But that's true. Job says, naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I return. We don't bring anything from here to eternity, but we will see other people. Invest in relationships. Invest in your family. Parents, make sure you have an eternal perspective with your kids. Believe me, I'm preaching this to myself, man. I I really am. Especially in, in the moment, in the heat of the moment when it's just like eternal perspective. I have to remember. What I say right now, there's consequences. Think with eternity in mind. Because I want to see them there. I want to see my kids there. I want to see my cousin who is falling away from the Lord. I want to see him there. Husbands, wives, love each other. Speak to one another in a way 
that encourages the other and moves the other forward, not backward. Be quick to forgive each other. Dwell less on the past. Let's move forward to what lies ahead in our marriages. Also, invest in relationships with others who have an eternal perspective. Other followers, other believers who have that eternal perspective so that we can grow together, mature together in this walk that we call life. Where we can say to one another, though the sorrow may last for the night, joy comes in the morning. Let us walk with others. Invest in relationships with others where we can walk and encourage each other that way. We need each other. And lastly, invest in relationships with those who don't know God yet, who don't know about eternity. They're driving range people. They have no idea. They have no idea they're hurting people. They're short-sighted in their lives. Invest in, their, in relationships with them. They have no idea. Pray for them. Sometimes that's the best thing you can do. You can talk to them about God and about eternity. They're like, la, 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 la. They don't want to hear it. Pray for them. Pray for them. God can reveal that to them. So we're, we're in this thing called the one name campaign right now. Where we're praying to God, asking for one name. One name we can invite to Alpha in the fall. And we want to take the month of June to pray for this person or two people. We're praying for two people at our home. And I'll be honest with you. It's impossible in my mind. Not possible. But with God, all things are possible. And so I know God can move in their lives. So we'll pray and see how it works out. And with these people, we're beginning to talk to them more. They're beginning to open up a bit more in our neighborhood there. And so it's neat. God is working. And so we're going to continue to pray. And so I want to encourage you. Who is that one person that you can pray for and invite to Alpha this year in, in the fall? That's investing in those who don't know God yet. Lastly, be givers. Be givers. Acts 20 verse 35 says, It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Be givers, generous givers of your time, money, abilities to bless others. You see, when we give, it shows where our treasure is. It shows where our treasure is. Matthew 6, 19, Jesus says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Giving shows where your heart is. That it's centered in heaven. And so giving of your time, giving of your finances, your abilities, and sharing the things that God has given you with others, whatever it might be, to bless others, 
It shows you value something far beyond this world. Far beyond. It shows you have an eternal perspective. And so church, let us be followers of Jesus. True followers with the end in sight. Let's be golf course Christians. Okay? Stephen Covey, he's not a Christian author, but he wrote a book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Okay, it's, he's one of those leadership uh, gurus. I actually don't know if he's still living, but uh, he, he wrote this book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Habit number two is begin with the end in mind. So let us forget what lies behind and strain forward to what lies ahead and press on towards the goal of the upward prize. The prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, there are some challenging things in your word. But your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. And God, we want to be those with the right perspective in this life that you have called us to live, that we would have eternity stamped on our eyes, that we would have that perspective in all that we do, in all our coming and going, that we would have eternity in our sights. Lord, be with us as we go on this week, this summer, the rest of this year, and the years beyond. For however long you call us to be here, may we never lose sight of that great and glorious day where we will see face to face the King of kings and Lord of lords. Give us a hunger and a thirst for that day. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you, everyone. Have a great day.